0: I direct your attention uh, back to that uh, chapter of the Bible that we read from, Joshua chapter 14. Remind you that in Joshua chapter 14, the Israelites had already come in to the promised land. They crossed the Jordan River in a miraculous way. They'd already fought some battles. They'd fought the battle of Jericho. They'd fought the battle of Ai, some other battles. There was going to be more to fight. They'd already taken some cities. There was going to be more to take. And so Joshua, in order to to speed up the process, so to speak, he was getting a little bit older. And God said, now Joshua, you haven't taken everything I want you to take yet. But in order to facilitate the process, I want you to go ahead and divide the land by tribes. I want you to go ahead and pass it out. And God gave Joshua the instructions to do that. But as he was going through that process, there was a man that came up to him. A man that he had known uh, the majority of his life. They had served together in the army. They had carried out a special assignment from Moses together. This man was 85 years old. I sort of think probably the oldest man that was living in Israel. I don't know if Caleb was older than Joshua or if Joshua was older than Caleb. I know that these two men were the oldest two men in in Israel at the time because all the other men over 20 had died. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I sort of think Caleb was the oldest man alive in Israel. And he comes to Joshua. And we read in verse 7, he says, hey, I, 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 I want that mountain. As you're passing out the promised land uh, to God's people, I want that mountain over there. God pro- or Moses promised it to me uh, back when we were spies and I claim uh, my right of promise from Moses. So just remember the story re- with me real quickly as, by way of introduction. 45 years ago, From the time that, from the things that we're reading about here in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb and Joshua were two or two of twelve spies that Moses sent into the promised land. These twelve men spent forty days walking through the land. They saw, they were seeing what the land was all about. They were looking at the rivers. They were looking at the, the crops that were growing there. Uh, they, they, they were looking at the fruit. Uh, they were looking at the cities. They were looking at the people. They were looking at everything that was in the land. After 40 days, they came back to report to Moses and to the people. We read about their report in Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. All 12 of the spies said this, We came into a land, whether thou sinnest us, And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. They had actually brought back some of the fruit from the land of Canaan, the grapes of Eskel, some pomegranates and other things that the Bible talks about. And all 12 spies said, this this, this land is a wonderful land. It's a rich uh, land. It would be a great place for us to live. But 10 of the 12 went on to say something else. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 28, they said, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and they were giants. They were a lot bigger than we are. It's a, it's a rich land. It a be a wonderful place to live, but we're no match for the people. We're no match for the people that we would have to drive out to take the land. We cannot take it. That's what 10 of the 12 spies said. Well, Caleb stood up that day, and he said this. And let me read verse 30 from Numbers chapter 13. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. We don't need to talk about it anymore. We don't need to debate it anymore. We don't need to doubt God anymore. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, the rest of the committee that day, the, and now one, Joshua was sided with Caleb. There were two of the twelve that said the same thing. If God wants us to have it, it doesn't matter how big the people are. It doesn't matter how strong the cities are. If God wants us to have it, we can take it. But the other ten said, oh no. We're no match for the people. And and, and, and let me just, you don't need to turn to it, but let me just read some of the things that they said. I'll go back to Numbers chapter 13. Uh, But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Uh, And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Hey, compared to the people that live there, we're like little insects. We don't measure up at all. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Well, the ten men won out. The nation decided not to go in. Only two of the spies that went in, Joshua and Caleb, said they could take it. And as punishment for the people's disobedience, as punishment for not trusting God and going into the land that he had prepared for them, God said, okay, you're going to, because you don't believe me, because you don't trust me, I'm going to have you wander in the wilderness a year for every day that you spend in the promised land. You spend 40 days spying out the land, you're going to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And every man over 20 years old is going to die. Except for Caleb and except for Joshua. And so here's Caleb. 45 years has passed. He's now 85 years old. He's wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. All his friends, except for Joshua, are dead. Because everybody over 20 has now died. And Caleb comes to Joshua and he says this, I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago. Not many 85 year olds could say that today. I'm 65 and I can't say I'm as strong as I was 20 years ago. Uh, But Caleb says, I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago. Give me this mountain. Caleb knew as he asked for it, there'd be more battles to fight. He knew that there'd be giants there. But Caleb, he, he again, I think he was the oldest man in the nation of Israel. And here's what I think was going through his mind. I know God will give me that mountain. I know that God will help me defeat the giants. And if all these young whippersnappers, that's how old people talk, you know. If all these young whippersnappers can see this old man rise up, trust God, and take this city, maybe they'll do the same thing. And so he said, Joshua, give me the mountain. God's going to give it to me, I'm going to take it. And we read, Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb Hebron for an inheritance. Now again, he couldn't just move in. He had to go, there were giants still there. The sons of Anak still lived there. He had to go fight them. And we read that he drove out hence, we didn't read it in the next chapter, chapter 15, and Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak and went up thence and he took his mountain. He got his mountain, he drove out the giants, and he took possession of it. And I, I think we see in the verses that we read, that's key, the secret to Caleb's success. I think we see why he was able to do what he did for God. And, and, and let me just read again, verse, chapter 14, verse 24, where the Bible says, My servant Caleb... Because he hath another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully. He hath followed me fully. I mean, the rest of the the spies and the rest of the nation of Israel, except for Joshua, didn't believe God. They didn't think God could do it. But Caleb says, I think God can. Forty-five years later, his thoughts had not changed. I still think God can. And the Bible says that he wholly followed the Lord. Now, when the Bible says one thing, one, says a thing one time, that's enough. I mean, it's important. But when the Bible says the same thing three or four times, you know God's trying to tell us something. He knows we're people. He knows that sometimes we need repetition before we can catch it. And I want you to think about the verses that we read in chapter 14. I'm going to go back and point some of them out to you. In verse 8, Caleb was talking. He says, "I, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. In verse 9, thou had, talking about Caleb, thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. In verse 14, he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Three times God says, three times God includes in his word, when he's talking about Caleb, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed the Lord. Look, some of you have mountains in your life this morning. Some of you have things that that are challenges in your life. Some of them are health mountains Some of them are financial mountains. Some of them are relationship mountains. There's some things in your life that God intends for you to conquer. There's some things in your life that God intends for you to take, like Caleb took that mountain. And I think if we can look at Caleb's life and see what Caleb did to take his mountain, it'll help us as we take ours. He wholly followed the Lord. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Three things. To wholly follow the Lord means, number one, we follow him when everybody else isn't. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It, when, when we wholly follow the Lord, we're going to do it regardless of what our friends, of what our family, of what the world is doing. Caleb was a select group. He was one of twelve. He was one of twelve that Moses picked, one of each, from each tribe, to go into the land. I think when he got into the land of Canaan and he walked through that land, I think it was like Adam discovering the Garden of Eden. I think everything that Caleb saw, he just sort of said, wow, this is good. This is, now remember, he, he, he had been a slave in Egypt the first 40 years of his life. He could not own property. I mean, he worked seven days a week. He did not get paid. He could not provide for his family. Nothing The next 45 years of his life, he spent wandering through the wilderness. They pitched their tent. When the cloud moved, they moved. Uh, And and, and they had no place to call home. So here was an 85-year-old man that never got to settle down, never got to pitch his stakes. And when he went into the promised land and saw the land that God had prepared for his people, he said, wow, I get to live in this place. I can make my home in this place. I can bring my family into this place. I think that's Patty. I think that's what Shorty's discovering about heaven this morning. He's been there a couple, three days already. I think every place he goes, he sees something new. Every place he goes, he meets one of his Bible heroes. Every place he goes, he sees one of his relatives that went before him. I, I, and again, I, I, I think he's just going around. And said, Man, this is good. This is a whole lot better than I even thought it was. We think we know about heaven. We hardly know anything about heaven. Yeah, it's a street of gold, gates of pearl, and Jesus is there. But I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God hath prepared for his people that love him. And Caleb, as he walked through the land of promise, said, man, this is good. This is great. This is a wonderful place to live. I'm sure he tasted the milk and the honey that flowed. And I thought, and I know he said, I can't believe that God made all this for me. So he goes back. He goes back. says, man, it's good. And God will give it to us. The other 10 guys said, no, we won't. Giants are too big. Cities are too walled Caleb, I'm sure Caleb, and again, the Bible doesn't record this. I'm sure Caleb said, hey, 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 hey! Don't you remember what God did in Egypt? Don't you remember the plagues that he sent? Don't you remember what happened at the Red Sea when he divided the sea and we walked across on dry ground? Don't you remember what happened at the Jordan River when God did it a second time? Don't you remember what happened at Jericho? What's the matter with you people? We have a God that can do it if we wholly follow him. Holy following God means that we follow him when nobody else is. The world may say, Husbands and wives can't be faithful to each other till death do us part. But God says they can. The world says you can't raise your children today to be holy and righteous, but God says you can. The world says today you can't come to the wedding altar pure, clean, and virgin. God says you can. The world says today, you can't, you can't, don't, don't be a weirdo. Don't be, don't be a standout. If you go into school and somebody offers you a drink or somebody offers you a drug, go ahead and take it. I want to tell you this morning, Holy following God says no. No. Doesn't matter what the world does. Doesn't matter what my friends do. Doesn't even matter what my family says. I am going to wholly follow God. And when nobody else does it, I'm still going to do it. Holy following God means you follow God when nobody else is doing it. Number two, holy following God means you follow him in your day in, day out routine. We think about Caleb. We think about that time that he went into the promised land and was a spy and came back and stood for God. A big, important, monumental moment in his life. We think about what he did here in Joshua chapter 14, coming to Joshua and saying, claiming the mountain that Moses promised him, claiming the promise of God that was made to him 45 years ago. But I want you to think about those 45 years in between when he went into the promised land as a spy and when he came to Joshua and asked, asked for the mountain. Think about what he did those 45 years. He wandered in the wilderness. When the cloud by day moved, he moved. When the fire by night moved, he moved. When the cloud or fire stood still, he stood still. He went out and gathered manna every morning, Monday, Sunday through Friday, just like everybody else did. When they were looking for water and Moses uh, brought water from the rock, he was there with his bucket or whatever he had to gather water, and he gathered water for his family. When they came into the promised land and began to fight, Caleb took his place in the army. In those 45 years, they, there may have been some memorable days. In those 45 years, Caleb may have done some important things, but I dare say the majority, the vast majority of those 45 years, from the time he was a spy in the land of Canaan until he asked Joshua for the mountain, were spent in the routine day-to-day things that make up life. We have times in our life that are very uh, memorable We have times in our life when big things happen. But most of our life consists of the normal day-to-day things that we do. We get up. We go to school. We go to work. If we're fortunate enough to be retired, I was going to say we do whatever we want, but I'm finding out that's not true. (laughs) We, we We do what we have to do. But but life, life for the most part, is not made up of big moments. Life, for the most part, are are, are not made up of of, of things that we're going to write in our memory book and say, boy, this was an important day. Most of life is made up of routine, normal things that we do every day. And Caleb said, you know what? In the routine things of my life, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to look for his leadership. Yeah, we ought to look for God's leadership in the big things. If you're about to get married, you ought to ask God if it's his will. If you're about to move and take a new job, you ought to ask God if it's his will. But the routine things of life, the things that sometimes we do without thinking about them, the things that we do every single day, we ought to do them following the Lord our God. I'll remind you, I'm almost done, and I know I'm almost out of time, but listen, God has a plan for every day in our life. Every day in our life, God has a plan. God knows that most days in our life are routine. I mean, we just go through the normal things that we do. And we may not think about it, but in those routine days, your God has a plan and a purpose for your life I've often found that sometimes during the routine days, God shows me something that if I wasn't paying attention to him, I would have passed by and not even noticed. Some of, I think some of the most important lessons I've learned have not been on big days in my life, but routine days, normal days in my life. And Caleb said, when I have to stand alone, I'm going to follow God. But when I live my normal, routine life, I'm going to follow God. And then number three, to wholly follow God means to follow him when it's time to fight and take the mountain. There's a time to plan. Planning is good. There's a time to pray. Praying is good. There's a time to prepare. Preparing is good. But there also comes a time. Like in Caleb's case, he planned, he prayed, he prepared. But there came a time when he took off his coat and he rolled up his sleeves. He went to Joshua and said, I want that mountain. I'm ready. Moses promised it to me. I believe the Lord is going to give it to me. Joshua, I want you to give it to me, and I'm going to take it. Joshua said, okay, my friend, it's yours. And he went up and he took it. He took that mountain that God had given him. He drove out the giants. You say, where, where did this 85-year-old man get the strength to do that? I mean, where, don't, who said that? Stay out of my preaching. I'll get to the point. <laughs> where did this, let me start again. Where did this 85-year-old man get his strength. He got it from God. Exactly. I don't know who said it, but you were exactly right. He got it from God. We sing that little chorus. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Strength for today is mine all the way. And all that I need for tomorrow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. That's all I got to do. That's all you got to do is follow. Listen, you can't wholly follow the Lord until you follow him into salvation. You can't. Don't don't, don't even try this other stuff until you come to Christ and receive him as your Savior. You see, that's how God wants us to follow him, first of all. We're we're all sinners. The Bible says we are. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. I mentioned yesterday, in short, funeral service. Yeah, we can find sinners that are worse sinners than we are. But the Bible says don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to the glory of God. And the glory of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we compare ourselves to him, we realize how far short we fall. We're all sinners. The Bible says there's a wage of sin. What we owe as a sinner, the wages of sin, is death. Not physical death as we experienced this week in our church family, but spiritual death. The wages of sin is being separated from God forever. There's nothing that we could do to pay for our sin. Absolutely nothing. We, we were a sinner. If we got what, God, what we deserve from God, every single one of us would be in hell this morning. Every single one of us. But what we could not do for ourselves, God did for us. He loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the one that was sung about this morning in several of our songs. He sent Jesus. He lived among men. He was tempted in all points, like as we, yet without sin. And then God allowed us to take his son, nail him to a cross, and as Jesus hung on that cross, God laid all of our sins upon him. That's why the book of Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus took none of his sins to the cross because he didn't have many. He took all of mine, all of them. He took all of Brother Jeff's, he took all of Brother Gary's, he took all of Brother Wendell's, he took them all to the cross. And he paid the price for all our sins. He paid what we owe. And because he did that, he's able to offer to every person the gift of life. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And just like any other gift, to make it yours, you've got to take it. You've got to take it. Would you follow Jesus in that way this morning? Would you follow him to the cross? Would you receive the gift that he purchased for you there? God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to come to his son this morning if you've never done that. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, you can do it right now. Just tell him you know that you're a sinner. You understand there's a penalty for that sin. And you're asking Jesus Christ to save you. Would you do that? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Caleb and for the example that he is to us. And I pray that we would follow his example. I pray for those that are here without Christ this morning, that they would follow Christ to Calvary. They would receive the gift that he purchased for every single person there, and they would receive him as their personal Savior. I pray for the many Christians that are here. Help us to wholly follow you every day of our life, and everything that we do, help us to follow you. Please bless this time of invitation. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient as you speak. As we sing, if people need to come to receive Christ, help them to come. We'll take the Bible, show them from the Bible how to do that. If Christians need to come, spend some time at the altar. As Brother Gary sang a moment ago, bring their burdens to this place. Help them to come. Just bless this time of invitation. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.